Here they come! Hello and welcome to episode 91 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host Eric Moore and here we go with the start of our Halloween horror month and today I'm joined by Ian Marchant to discuss the ending of Hammer's very first Dracula film. So that's good. But what's not good is this is the very first recording that I'm doing since Skype have uh, brought in their recording system built in. And uh, I've had a nice time with Ian. We've had a good natter, really enjoyed it. Gone back and listened to it. And for some reason, the sound quality is awful. And uh, particularly on me, Um, it's recorded as a mono uh, file so I can't tweak it so apologies um, we've recorded this a couple of weeks before release so I'm hoping and really really hoping that uh, I can get this sorted before next week's episode so apologies bear with us and I'm going to see what I can do two men enter one man leaves. Shall I do the Dracula bit, or shall I just say hello? What do you reckon? I think you should do the Dracula bit. I'll try it. I'm no Christopher Lee, right? And I'm no actor. I am Eric, and I welcome you to my podcast. Hello, Ian. Hello, Eric. That took you right into the film. I, I, I could have been wearing a cloak then, couldn't I? I? Do you know what? When you said you're no actor, I mentally thought, yeah, neither's Christopher Lee. Ooh. 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 <laughs> oh, what a way to start. <laughs> what a way to start. Lay your cards out straight ahead. Um, You should have done it as uh, Baylor. Yeah, I should have, shouldn't I? Yeah. Should have done it as That's the wrong Dracula. That's the wrong Dracula. It is, yeah. Yeah, and that one, you sounded more like the Count off of Sesame Street then. One, one back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, I mean... Ian, you and I, we've talked about a whole bunch of subjects, but I don't think you and I have ever, ever talked about Hammer films before. We, I think we brushed momentarily over them when we were discussing Quatermass and the Pit, mm. but not in a, nothing really as to basically just it was made by Hammer. That yeah, because yeah, that that yeah, because that was a two-parter, wasn't it? We were discussing yes. the two two scenes of the discovery of the of the spacecraft. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really know. Are, are you a big Hammer fan? Um, I am, actually, yeah. I I mean, same as you, probably, that when we were growing up, Hammer was the byword for horror. Mm. I know, I, I didn't, I never saw any Hammers at the cinema, as far as I can recall. Not even the uh, on the buses movies. Um, <laughs> we'll get back to them, I'm sure. Yes. Um, but they were, they were, they, they, when I was sort of my, my impressionable years, so we're talking sort of mid mid to late seventies, they started to appear on TV, um, and it was it was a big thing. It wasn't like now where if you like 
how it's weird that it, it's moved on that Hammer is now like almost twee and quaint mm. and almost period. They've become period pieces themselves. Mm. Um, but back then, if if like the TV Times or uh, Radio Times said there's a Hammer film on, I mean, a would you be allowed to watch it? Because Hammer had a reputation for being a little bit naughty. Yep. You know, there might be some uh, boobage saucy. going on. Yeah, yeah, a bit saucy. Um, so, so uh, my mum and dad would carefully scrutinise the listing to see if they could, you know, tell by the title whether there's going to be anything naughty in it. So, lust for a vampire. Oh yeah, it? out the window. <laughs> Twins of evil. Oh, that's pushing it. Um, so we, so if it was, if it was deemed that, yeah, this might be suitable. So if it's quite a mass, fine. But um, weirdly. Dracula and Frankenstein, if they were in the title, that's okay. <laughs> Bizarre. Um, so we, but it was huge. So you would, it literally would, you would be talking with your mates and it's like, did you see the Hammer film last night? And it was always the Hammer film. Yeah. That, just saying Hammer, that was a, a descriptive word that basically said, you're in for some violence, even yeah. though now it seems horribly tame. You're in for possibly at least a good cleavage shot. Which, as a kid, you know that could that could keep you going for a couple of weeks, um, and you were in for a, a decently made film. Yeah, that didn't yeah. take too long. They they, they, yeah. they trundled they along quite speedily. It. Yeah, this sequence especially does. But yeah, I mean, I I remember that BBC. It, they tended to be on BBC and and they had double bills, didn't they? BBC yes. Two had like evening double bills, and I can remember. You know, you're you're right. Um, they 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 were announced. They they were actually on the front cover. Of yeah. the Radio Times, sometimes you would not get that now. You wouldn't get a Hammer film on the front cover of the Radio Times now. No, it's, it, it was like the Bond films. It was a it was a TV event. Mm. Um, mm. It was yeah. It, I, I won't say a, like a Bond film, you, the whole family wouldn't get round and watch it. But it was something to to keep an eye out for. Mm. Um, yeah, it, I'm trying to remember sort of. If I, I mean, I, I literally can't remember what was the first Hammer film I would have seen I, I just my memory's not that good I remember, I remember my first do you remember oh, which yeah. one was yours Quatermass in the Pit because ah. it wasn't on late at night I can distinctly yeah. remember it was like a Saturday evening or a Saturday afternoon yeah. so, so possibly that might have been my first although at the time I probably wouldn't have realised that was a Hammer film I wouldn't no, have no it. it's like One Million Years BC as well yes. isn't it that's a Ray Harryhausen film yeah see that's that, that the Venn diagram of films that's that's a weird one isn't it because it's a, a Ray Harryhausen film first and foremost then a Hammer film yes then a generic dinosaur film um, but yeah Hammer Hammer sort of when, when you say Hammer to people of a certain age it's you picture Black Park you picture a country house Gothic, um, this strange Euro yeah. Europe. Yes. that Hammer. It, it was never yeah. stated, but it was this like strange Eastern Europe location, wasn't it? They all yes. took place. Yeah, in. where every, everyone spoke English. Yep, <laughs> in an English accent. Um, everywhere looked like Black Park. Yeah, everywhere looked like Black Park. Everyone the castles looked like Paris. models. Yep. Um, yeah. Innkeepers were always antisocial. Innkeepers were always Michael Ripper. Yeah, um, or a relation to Michael Ripper that looked yeah. just like Michael Ripper. Yes. Yeah. His uh, his dad got about a bit, didn't it? Like <laughs> All over that country. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's it evokes uh, again. It's this nostalgia thing, isn't it? Like, I think most of our lives now are, are spent in a desperate desire to get back to when we were younger. 
and, and, and we latched, yeah, that. and we latched onto them because you know oh. this is way before video, so you had to wait for it to come back on TV to watch it. And you know, I remember in in the early to mid seventies, you know, I don't know why I've never been able to to um, to find out the reason why there was this huge prolific release of uh, guidebooks to horror films, weren't there? The yeah, Dennis Gifford yeah. and the Alan Franks. Yeah, usually uh, published by something like Osprey or yeah. They were yeah. everywhere. You had. Are you old enough to remember the bubblegum cards? Yes, uh, I remember the the, the the comedy ones. The ones. The comedy had, ones. Yeah, yeah, and you would. You had a whole slew of Hammer films. I can distinctly remember the Oliver Reed, uh, Curse of the Werewolf, yeah, the werewolf ones, yeah. with silly little captions along the bottom. Um, you had the House of Hammer or the uh, uh, Hammer House, Halls of Horror. You know the Dead Skin yeah, magazine. The magazine. You know, so yeah, all he's... these were going on, and yeah, you know, so they they were in your psyche anyway and then they come out on tv and and you would you would stay up late at night you would sneak downstairs to watch it or in the case of myself and my brother you know we had a little black and white portable yeah. in our in our bedroom so you know we either had the sound turned right down or if my brother was asleep i had uh, we didn't have headphones we had a hearing aid ear oh yeah the little like bass yeah. light one of those cream oh, yeah. ones, yeah, 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 and just plug that in my right ear, you know. <laughs> and it's, that was um, that was my first exposure to a lot of the um, Hammer films. Were black and white at night in the dark, laying in your bed, listening th- through uh, an earpiece. Yeah, I, I watched many of them through through the corner of my eye because if it was too scary, I would roll over. I was sort of laid on settee, and I'd roll over and look at the back of the settee and just listen to it, which was possibly the worst thing to do because. Obviously, the soundtracks were usually better than the budget. So you yeah. imagined, I mean, I can remember, um, it's not Hammer, but it's a very Hammer-esque film, you know, Island of Terror with Peter Cushion. Yeah. And I remember listening to that and being terrified by the slurpy sounds. And then when I finally got the courage to watch it many years later, it was like, oh. Is that it? Oh, the vacuum cleaner bags. Um, but it was, it, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge thing. And, so obviously, now that you say about the magazine and the cars, so obviously aimed at kids, even though they were adult films, they were ex-certificate films. But when obviously when they hit TV, their primary audience was teenagers, I think. Well, you know, it's the mid-70s, and, you know, yeah. teenagers that time, you know, you were after thrills. I mean, it's the time when Action Comic came out, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a violent time on TV and in cinema, and us children, we wanted some of it, you know, and Action yeah, we, realized that and, and released that, and, yeah, yeah. We thrived on violence, and, I mean, yeah. I, can, I can remember, and I was thinking about this yesterday, I, I, I can't remember, what, I was watching something, and I was um, thinking about, the fact that back then you would watch a terrible, terrible film because it had a violent scene in it, or it had a bit of gore, and it amongst it was like almost a, a, a social standing as to what films you had seen. Mm. The gorier, the higher your social standing. And I can remember like you would have some mate that would, you know, have a dad at a cine film or something, and he, he would always tell you about the horror, and you used to think, "Have you seen these?" Because whenever you mention going around to see it with, it's like, oh, no, no, you can't do that. Yeah. And I, yeah, you know, like Exorcist, things like that. It was I mean, a bit it, of a prestige thing, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it was, it was a, you, I mean, at that sort of age, everything is, you, everything is layered, isn't it? So your, your social standing is very layered on yeah, different yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the groups I hung around with, yeah, horror films were the, the be all and end all. If you, if, you know, if you're, Sin the Exorcist, or you'd sin, you know, 
films like that. I mean, when Alien came out, that was the you. I mean, you were you were a bit older than me, so I hit Alien at just the right point where I couldn't really legally see it, mm. but. All the all the stuff you saw pictures wise was just it, was it like, made you want to see it. I mean, yeah. something else um, that was out in the mid seventies, uh, and it's Dead Skin again. Um, do you remember Monster Mag? That's Monster Mag, uh, yeah. that, that, the fold out huge yeah. poster. Uh, he's just re released them. I, I bought them again, and mm. uh, what a nostalgia that was. And I'm yeah. stunned that in you go into your local news agents and get this poster that folds out, and they were pretty gory. Some of those yeah. posters. You know, um, a film that's lost and nobody seems to be able to find it or, or, or release it is a Tom Baker film, The Mutations. Oh, I used to have that on Betamax. Yeah, no, you can't get that for love nor money. And, uh, yeah, that, his, his makeup in that was pretty horrific. And the poster of that is like, bloody hell, this is, this is being released for yeah. like, you know, 35p and a kid can take it home and put it on their wall, you know? Yeah, it was, it was a strange time, wasn't it? It's... It was a strange time, but we turned out all right. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> 40 um, odd years later, here we are still talking about it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think, because the, the closest we've got now to Hammer, and I say this purely in output and their business style, is Blumhouse. Mm. So, they, you know, their, their, their business model is very similar to Hammer in that money pushes this forward. And Hammer, Hammer was, you look at them now and you think there's some, there's some artistry involved here, there's some craft, but the driving force behind it and the driving force that made all these decisions that gave us these wonderful Draculas is financial. Yes. And it's, there's a clear, a clear path that you can lay out as to how they got to Dracula and Frankenstein. And, but Blumhouse, their, their business model is the same is that they'll, they'll make very, very, very modest budgeted films release them and one of them may stick and they'll get a franchise out of it yeah and that's where they get money so like the i mean their big one obviously the the absolutely shitty conjuring films um i i just abhor them there that's a dross um but apologies if anyone likes them uh but that's the same sort of financial model but they don't have anywhere near the artistry no that Hammer had. And I'm not saying all Hammer films are wonderful. Some of them are absolute dogs. But in their early to mid-period where they were reached their peak, you watch them now, and although they were seen as cheap and cheerful films back then, they they look amazing. Mm. Mm. Well, while you're talking about that and talking about, uh, you know, dogs as well um i thought it'd be nice if we just before we get into our sequence today just just um have a think about you know our top three hammer films right right okay and uh yeah um and you say about you know as as time went on you know the quality dropped um it's odd because i've been trying to think of my top three and uh a couple of them are actually from the later years yeah of hammer well all right I, yeah, when you said about, you know, yes, you're thinking about your top three, which was, I thought it'd be easy. It was very, very difficult. Yeah, and I so, I, so I pulled up a list on Wikipedia of all their films and they made a lot, but not as many as I, I thought, oh, is that not as many as I thought. And you, yeah, you're, you're right. You run through it and then you've got that tail end bit where they were desperate. Again, the, the Blumhouse style model, they were desperately flinging everything against the wall to see what was see. Yeah, yeah. But some of those films made it so close to going into my 
top ten. See, I like films, and it's not because they're good films, don't get me wrong, although one of them is. But stuff like Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, I love that film because it's a cheese fest. Mm. And it's such a weird combination. Um, one film that almost made it in the top three, which is, I think, a very good film, is Captain Kronos. Mm-hmm. I, I do love that film. It didn't quite make it. But yeah, it, what, it's very patchy, that latter half. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. They were they they were seeing what sticks. They were trying yeah. anything. You, you, you know, The Exorcist had come out, the Kung Fu craze had come out. So it's like, let, let's latch on to that, you know. And let's do our version and see if we can capitalize and, and gain yeah. money. So you do have these strange films in the mid 70s where they go in off of the because, yeah, I mean, the audience were tired. They were bored. You yeah. know, you, you, you'd had a, a succession of Frankenstein films. You'd had a succession of uh, mummy films and Dracula films. It's I'm very curious to know why they never did a second werewolf film. Um. I, don't, I wonder, was it, would it be just the fact that it costs more what, to do the makeup? Wise? Yeah. It might be. It might be. Um, or perhaps it's just that uh, Ollie Reed nailed it and they, they dropped the mic at that point and went, nope, yeah. can't yeah. be that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you could say that about Christopher Lee in the, the first Mummy film. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, after that, they, they, they all were so pale compared to the first yeah. Mummy film. All right, well, let's get into it, shall we? Um, so, yeah, shall we uh, start? Do you want to give us your number three first, Ian? Okay, and we, I, I did ask this question yesterday, but we'll just make it clear to the listeners. So, one of mine is actually, although it was made by Hammer, it was released under the exclusive label. Mm-hmm. But for all intents and purposes, it's a Hammer film. Um, so, my, my number three, which is a controversial one because I know the purists don't like it, is uh, Hound of the Baskervilles with Peter Cushion and Christopher Lee. I I think when it when I first saw it, it offended me and I didn't like it for a long period because I thought this isn't this isn't following the story. It's not canon. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I sort of fell in love with it and I now, when I think of Hound of the Baskervilles, whereas I always think of Basil Rathbone, version i now this is my go-to one and it helps that the blu-ray is utterly gorgeous mm. you know it shows, again this is a weird thing as well isn't it that we've got some nice prints now and it makes you reevaluate some of the hammer films indeed because indeed. we saw them on vhs now in utterly awful prints yeah you know but this yeah hounded basketballs is my number three okay all right my uh number three i've got to have a joint number three because i can't oh i was going to go for that but Kronos would have been in there if it had been a joint. Would you want to put Kronos yeah, as joint number yeah. three? Joint number three, if I'm allowed, yes. Thank All you. right, okay. All right, okay. My, my, my two joining together is this one, uh, Dracula, yeah. um, and Quatermass and the Pit. Yeah, good. Good okay. film. Um, if anyone wants to know my opinions on Quatermass and the Pit, we have featured it. We had a Quatermass episode way 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 back i can't even yeah. remember the episode number i'll put a link on the facebook page if anybody wants to uh find that and yeah was, that, that was early days wasn't it it was very early days i think it might be maybe only like your second appearance second, on the yeah. show, something like been, that yeah. all right and uh yeah i'll tell you what i think about dracula in a minute all right what, what's your number two number two is dracula prince of darkness um this was the first Dracula film I can remember seeing, 
because for some reason the the Dracula we're talking about today wasn't shown that often or at least that's my perception it wasn't on whereas Dracula Prince of Darkness seemed to be on every other week and I don't know whether that whether there was some sort of copyright issue or something like that but yeah Dracula Prince of Darkness I love that even though like Christopher Lee doesn't speak in it that's for me a plus point um, I like the story I like the guest cast I think that's my that's my go-to Dracula film if I want my little Hammer Dracula fix. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people always say, don't they, mm. that that's their favourite yeah. uh, Dracula. My, my my only distraction I have from that film is old Matthews. What's his name? What's his first name? Oh, uh, Captain Scarlet. Francis yeah. Matthews. Francis Matthews. Because he's Captain Scarlet. Yeah. <laughs> Dracula. Yeah. <laughs> So all the way through, every time he talks, it's like, that's, that's true, Captain yeah. Scarlet in a, in a Transylvanian castle. Probably. <laughs> Type cast as a puppet. All right, my number two, yeah, um, as I say, um, mid-70s, they were trying all sorts of things. And the reason this is at number two, and I've, I think I mentioned it because I have done this on Effectively Speaking, is it's one of those ones that evokes so much nostalgia from me from watching it for the first time in black and white on the portable in the dark um, late at night and I think that added to it and it's The Lost Continent oh wow have right? you watched it since? yeah 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 no I, I really really like it. Really? Wow. It, it, it it's just a strange odd film but it's got a tone to it it doesn't yeah, really oh, know what it yeah. is it's definitely it, yeah this is a case of flinging everything at the film yeah there's just too much going on i mean you've got like you know you've got a mystery to begin with you've got almost like a soap opera on this ship yeah. and then it becomes like a an adventure thing and then it becomes a monster film then it becomes a horror film and it's just when it's i watch it I, I i i'm that teenager watching it again and there is a tone to it especially towards the end and the creature designs are not like hammer you know yeah. they are really odd and strange well, they, and it's yeah this was one of those where i didn't see it until very much later in my life than a lot of the other hammers because again it was quite, seemed quite a rare one but you always saw like the pictures in the dennis gifford book yes. of like yes. the people with the balloons on their back or the crab creature coming and I, it was like oh my god this looks so amazing and then when i finally got to watch it i thought oh my god this is so dull Oh, I like, I yeah, like, you know, I it's, like it. it, it's total nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, I, I think you're right. If, if I watched it as a 20 year old yeah. or a 25 year old on video, you know, but I'm not, I, I'm the 13, 14 year old me yeah. lying in bed watching it in black and white thinking, what the hell am I watching? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was just so, madness for the yeah, sake of madness. Yeah. It's total and utter nostalgia that puts that at number two for me. All right. Okay. All right what's your number one then? My number one, and this, this was a, difficult one because i i almost went with the same one you went with but then i thought nope I, it's quatermass 2 um, ah. because i think i, I like quatermass experiment but i think quatermass 2 is the much much superior film i love brian don levy as quatermass i know quatermass fans seem to hate him i just i adore him i i you know, I want to marry him, have his children. He's uh, he's amazing. I think he does a great job in Quake Master 2. And it's such a good film. I mean, you look, if you watch it, it's it, it's one of those ones where the film version is much better than the BBC version. The BBC version is far too long and far too bland. Mm. Uh, good good ideas. Nigel Neal's ideas are good again. And the film condensed them. And I don't know whether it's because Nigel Neal was script consultant at that point where he wasn't on the first one. Um, and that helped, but it's it's like the blueprint for every uh, 
hidden enemy, the enemy is already here style storyline. Um, it was also the first ever film with a numerical number as a mm. sequel, which, right. but cleverly done that Quake Mass 2 is actually the rocket. So it, it, there's so many levels of this, and I love it. And it's, it's the Quake Mass film with the pit that I go to. I very rarely watch the first one. Right. Um, and it was, it was touch and go between that and Quake Mass and the pit. And I think this just tops it because there are a, f- a couple of bits in Quake Mass and the Pit that I, I'm constantly drawn back to think the TV version's better, does that bit better, and that now colours it. Perhaps if I'd never seen the TV version, Pit would be there. Mm. But yeah, Quake Mass 2 is my top hammer. And technically, I'm breaking it because it's not a hammer, it's an exclusive, but it was made by Hammer. No, 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 we can allow that. Yeah. Right, my, my, my number one is going to seem odd. I guess, to a lot of people, they go, what, over Dracula, Prince of Darkness, and Dracula, and Curse of Frankenstein, and everything, it's Captain Kronos. Yeah, no, I, I, I can see the appeal there, I think it's a, it, it didn't go down well at the time, did it? it wasn't well, it was delayed by a year, wasn't it? They made it, and they didn't release it for a whole year, and it was that time where everybody was going to see The Exorcist, and yeah. Night of the Living Dead, and, and you it, know, Taste I, in Horror moved. Yeah, I think it's, it, it's ahead of its time, because it's it's got that perfect tone of campy horror. Mm. And I think if it had been delayed and, and perhaps released in the early to mid 80s, you know, around the Evil Dead time, I think it would it would have been a huge success. But I've no, never it, made the comparison yet. Evil Dead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it has got that quirkiness to it, hasn't it? Yeah. Right. It's. Again, they're trying lots of different things in the but film to the see geni- what works. Yeah. The genius idea with Captain Kronos was to bring Brian Clemens on board. Yes. Because, yeah, it, you know, he has right. that eccentric view on things, you know, which made so many of his uh, Avengers yes. stories. It's definitely got so a feel great. of the Avengers, hasn't it? In that yes. it's, it's our world, but it's not. It's not no. quite. I, I, I love the audacity of saying there are many types of vampires. You know, yeah. they don't all suck blood. Some, some, you know, require, they drain your life, not your blood, etc., etc. And there are many, many different ways of killing a vampire, you know. And, you know, I like the premise of this film is like, there is a vampire. Who is the vampire? How do we kill the vampire? You know? Yeah. Um, and, and the character, oh, oh, you know me, I'm Caroline Munro biased. Anyway, but you know all the performances all the way through. You know they're, they're brilliant. I love yeah. them all. It's really good, and it's interesting that because our interesting that the, the film we're talking about today is not on either of our lists, um, but also interesting that you're right. It because vamp, the vampire we think of in the Dracula mold, you know the the undead count, crucifix, holy water, things like that, is a very late comer to the vampire. Um, sort of pantheon. So you had all the Chinese vampires before that, and and Western vampires were very, very different. Mm. Um, and it's nice that it takes that into account. It's not, yeah, it, it, it's not just the Christian vampire. Yeah, and 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 you know, it's got a tone to it, and it's got a style to it. That scene where Cronos um, goes up against Ian Hendry's mob in the graveyard, and you yeah. have that sword fight. You know, that's like something Tarantino would do, you know, where he yeah. swishes with his sword and the sword lands right in front of the camera. Yeah, I mean, these, they, they, these were like totally different ways of doing yeah. a hammer. I'm, I'm sure I've read somewhere that 
Tarantino is a fan of it, isn't he? Oh, is he? Right. Yeah, I'm sure. And I'm, I, I, I may be wrong, but I, I'm sure there was some talk of remakes and things like that. Um, well, it was yeah. going to be a TV series, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, they were which, going to go up into it? TV yeah. because he's called Kronos, which is, you know, time. And yeah. he apparently he was a time traveller. He would go through a time, not just fighting vampires, but werewolves, all sorts of you know, supernatural creatures, and it would be the adventures of Captain Kronos. Yeah. Just saying, he could have, he could have, they could have done other Hammer crossovers, so you could have had Kronos fighting uh, Frankenstein, Kronos fighting Reg Varney on the buses. That would have been a good one. <laughs> That'd be more Blakey. He would have yeah. gone after Blakey. <laughs> yeah, Blakey is the undead. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, all right, that's our top three. Um, so that's our uh, background to Hammer uh, established. So we'll go off and have a clip. Um, we're not going to play a clip from the actual sequence we're talking about because that's basically lots of James <laughs> yeah. Bernard music and Good lots music, of uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'll have a little sound clip as they approach the castle. All right, so we'll have that now. Just before our sequence starts, um, you've got Mina up in bed having a blood transfusion and Van Helsing and Arthur, good old Peter Cushing and Michael Goff. I mean, this is one of the appeals of this film, um, are, are the uh, performances. Yeah, the, the cast is is really good. I mean, they, they obviously weren't super well-known at the time, and they so they, they basically went with people they could afford but were also good actors which i think is a that's that's a very clever way of spending your budget and although the 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 set design and everything is is really impressive in this and if if you i i heartily recommend getting the uh the new blu-ray version because not necessarily for the extended footage which i'm sure we'll discuss later but the the making of where they look at the set design and it wasn't until watching that, and then you, you slap yourself and go, oh, my God. It's like almost every single set is the same set with yep. the staircase in, and they just redress it, and it's genius. Yeah. And it's like, so, but the, the, the actual performances, they bring so much quality to this film that that you, it's almost priceless. It's, mm. it, I mean, Peter Cushion is superb. He looks so young in it when I was watching he it does. last night, though. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. Um, Michael Gow, Goff, however we decided you pronounce it. Um, he's really good. He's a good Arthur. Mm. Um, it's not, I mean, it's, again, it's a, it's a hammerized version of the story. No one's ever done a, an authentic Bram Stoker's no. version, which I, part of me wishes they would, but part of me realizes it would be, uh, tedious to the point of you'd have to do it as like a series or something. Um, but this is, is really nicely condensed and they keep the, the feel and the tone and there's bits in this that, that other Draculas don't bother with mm. but slightly hammerize and it yeah it's and it clips along it does I, I mean that that's a budget thing as well um yeah. which we'll be talking about when we get to behind the scenes but yeah i mean yeah yeah no it looks superb that 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 acting brilliantly uh, to, to my mind peter cushing is van helsing i yes. can't see anybody else as a different van helsing you say van helsing to me it's peter cushing yeah, Peter Cushion is yeah. Van Helsing. Peter Cushion is, is to me, he's the best thing about Hammer, full stop. 
Yeah, um, in any of them. In you know, any you, of you, them. You say he, Legend of the Seven yeah. Golden Vampires, he's you know. good which in that, yeah. <laughs> an oddity, but he, he, he always gave yeah. his all, didn't he? Yeah, he was always, he never looked down on a film. No. He never gave a subpar performance because the story was terrible. I mean, I was watching um, The Blood Beast Terror. I got that on Blu-ray uh, about a month or so ago, and me and Anne sat and watched it. And the story is just pant-wettingly stupid about a giant killer moth. <laughs> and Peter Cushion is superb in it. He's yeah. so believable. Um, I, I'm not a great fan of Christopher Lee. I think he has a screen presence, and he, he does make a good presence and i think that's probably why i prefer the second one but i don't think he's an actor mm. I, I i i know a lot of people are fans of him and it's like as saruman things like that i every film i've ever seen him in he walks up to the camera stares at the camera says his lines in his own voice turns around and walks back and he does it in this i mean when when he introduces himself as dracula it's to me and again it's my personal viewpoint it's the biggest anticlimactic introduction ever. That flies in the face of a lot of people that says it's the best introduction. Yeah, ever. no, I, I, I uh, you know, I, I, as I said, each to their own. This is purely my viewpoint, and I understand if if you you think Christopher Lee is the best thing since sliced bread. Oh, I, 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 no, I, 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 yeah. I think you you might be you know the opposite of what a lot of people say, but I think you're you're saying it for exactly the same yes. reason that they they really love it. In that the people that say this is the best ever Dracula entrance ever, this is one of the best moments in a horror film, is because he comes down the stairs and he just says, "I am Dracula. This is my home." Blah blah blah, and it's the ordinary ordinariness of it. That people like, but that's yeah. the thing that you don't I, like. I don't like. It's I don't not want ordinary. I don't want my Dracula to be ordinary. I don't want him to sound like a plumber. Yeah. You've turned up and you're fixing his <laughs> boiler or whatever. You know. So, oh, come in. Yeah, it's right. It's in the kitchen. So does that mean then, if if you don't like him in speaking roles, you prefer him in like the Mummy or the Curse of Frankenstein, yeah. where where and he is brilliant in that. You know, as the Mummy, yeah. even when he's in the bandages, you know, he he's putting across emotion in his performance. Yeah, I I think. He he has a screen presence. He has a, a very imposing look. He's visually amazing. Looks great in I, photos. Yeah, exactly that. He's if like in the second one um, in Prince of Darkness where he doesn't have a line, and I know he, he had a falling out and things like that with Hammer about it. But I think that's that's spot on. I think that improves his character because I find as soon as he opens his mouth, I lose all believability in the character he's playing. The only, the only way, the only time it's fit, I think, is Saruman. But that's mainly because that voice finally fits that character he's playing. Yeah, yeah. Everything else I've seen him in. I mean, you watch like uh, it's not a Hammer film, but a, a film I, I, I love, which is the uh, um, Horror Express. And again, Peter Cushion outacts him. Peter Cushion's an actor. Peter Cushion's a character actor. You watch Peter Cushion films, and he's never the same twice. He, right. Uh, he's really yeah. good. You watch every single, even as Fu Manchu, <laughs> he's uh, Christopher Lee is doing that same voice. Have you have you seen Pirates of Blood River? Uh, I haven't. No, that's a please tell me that he does. Who are I'm a pirate in his no. own voice? No, 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 it, it, he's actually got a French accent in that. Oh, okay. He's a French pirate. Yes, it, that's an oddity of a film. That really is. It's a yeah. pirate film where they actually don't have a ship. Uh, um, they just <laughs> come up. That's a budget cut. Yeah, 
it's all in Black Park, and basically, they, the first time you see Christopher Reeve and his Reeve, Christopher Lee and his pirates, they're in a rowboat, and they're on the lake at Black Park, and they kind of like row ashore, and you're supposed to believe that they've just rowed from their ship, which is like half a mile down the river in the estuary. <laughs> there yeah, you go. Should we look back at the ship, lads? No, no, don't look back. <laughs> it's, no, no, that, that is an odd film. Yeah. That's an odd film. Um, yeah, the other thing weird with Christopher Lee, I find, though, is uh, he, he shares some traits with um, uh, Bela Lugosi in that they both, Dracula brought them both to international stardom, marred both of their careers. Christopher Lee sort of pulled his back in the, the last sort of decade of his life. He managed to... He became a bit of a nostalgia icon figure, mm-hmm. uh, whereas poor old Bella didn't. Um, but the other thing they shared was um, a certain flexibility in the truth mm. uh, when they were being interviewed and that. And, and Bela was notorious for just making stuff up that was not quite true. And Christopher Lee, unfortunately, I find the same thing in a lot of his interviews. Uh, and I, I have to say, I no, no disrespect to the man. He, he'd done a lot, and he's, uh, you know, you see these memes where it says, um, "Christopher Lee's life, it's amazing." Blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, he says it is, but <laughs> he's he's a bit up his own ass. Mm. Yeah, um, he, he is a bit of a know-it-all, isn't yeah. he? You know, whereas he, again, Peter Cushion, he is he is a gentleman to his core. I met him once. Have I ever told did you? you? I no, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was first started out uh, as a projectionist, my, my, my chief, uh, he was a bit of an old boy, and he was a bird watcher, okay, and he used to go off to uh, Whitstable a lot, uh, bird watching, and he happened to mention one day to me that, yeah, I go in this tea room, and uh, uh, Peter Cushing is, uh, is very often in there, and this is before, you know, the internet, I mean, we're, yeah. we're talking, this is about 82, 83, this was, and... I didn't know that he lived at Whitstable, and uh, my old Len, my old chief, it's like, yeah, he's always in there. It's like, really? And, no, it must have been a bit later. It was about 85. He had just released uh, his autobiography, that Past Forgetting uh, autobiography. And I thought, I wonder. So one day I just drove down to Whitstable and just waited in that tea room, and he came in. And he came in. And uh, I went across and said, excuse me, Mr. Cushing, um, and uh, really admire your work. And he couldn't have been nicer. He couldn't yeah. have been nicer. He, he, he was the sweet gentleman, you know, that everybody always, anybody who's interviewed, yeah. uh, you know, who worked with him says the same thing. And I can quite see why, you know. Uh, yeah, I've, I've never, and it's not a hyperbole, I've never heard anyone say anything negative about him or no, his there's character. There's no records of hissy no. fits or anything. No. You know, if anything, it's the other way. He's always apologetic. Yeah, you know that you know when he was ill and stuff like that. You know, yeah, he sounds like he was a, an absolutely gorgeous human being. Yeah, yeah, crisply. Mm. I don't know. It might be just my bias, but yeah. So, so what right, the hell were we track. talking about before? Uh, we're we're at Mina's bedside and oh, she's oh. having a transfusion, and yeah. you know, um, isn't uh, it nice like, that she's called Mina again? Yes, yes, it is. Why they kept doing that? I don't know. What's wrong with Mina? Um, But they asked the maid, you know, go go and get a uh, a bottle of wine. And she says, oh, I've had order. Oh, that's right, because they can't figure out how Christopher Lee's getting into (laughs) the house. Yeah, how's he getting through our locked doors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is he doing this? And and 
be a dear, go down to the cellar and get us a bottle of wine. Oh, I've had orders. I'm not to go down there. And that's when the light bulb comes on uh, in Van Helsing, doesn't he? And old Peter Cushion, I think he was about 42, 43, mid 40s. Yeah, it's but, frightening when you watch it to realise you're older than... Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, you know, I think even when I was younger than he is here, I wasn't that fast because he's off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and he's, and he's off. energetic in this. Yeah. And off he runs down to the cellar. And uh, yeah, sure enough, in the cellar, there's his coffin, but it's empty. And uh, just as he's realized that Dracula appears at the door um, and gives a very crudely dubbed on hiss for some yeah. reason um, and then locks the door. So he's locked in, isn't he? And by the time Arthur's opened it, Dracula's gone. Um, I don't know how Dracula managed to get past Arthur, who's also running down towards the cellar, but somehow Dracula gets past him up to Mina's room and abducts Mina, and they're off back to the castle. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's it's so fast-paced, this. I do like... From this point on, I think Christopher Lee's performance is really good. Mm. don't get me wrong and again because he doesn't speak um but that hiss is terrible it is awful yeah. it but is. It is, he play, he, it's almost he plays this bit like because he comes in the door and it's almost like a oh crikey type comedy yeah. moment isn't it it's like you've, you've walked in and the vicar's there yeah, yeah it's, it's not how you expect dracula to be no um and you know they so it's like oh that he must be going back to his castle so they set off in pursuit now the original cut of this film it was just a quick chase through black park and they get to the castle just ahead of dracula but you know they they've inserted a cut scene which is when they uh they find the coachman dead yeah. um which doesn't make any sense because dracula's already got a a head start on them and in this fuller version they actually pause to get out and check and yeah the coach driver's dead and then they get back in but they still manage to get to the castle just after dracula has yeah but the lo- the, uh, the logic doesn't sort of hold either does it so there dracula grabs mina and leaves the house mm. you're presuming he immediately gets on a carriage because yes. but with this new scene put back in he must sort of carry her and leg it down the road and come Mines across. Finds a carrier, yeah, kills which a man. makes no sense. No, I tell you what makes no sense either is when they get to the castle. Why is Dracula trying to bury Mina yeah. alive? There is yeah. no point in that whatsoever. It's also hilarious to see Christopher Lee as Dracula digging a hole. It's I don't know that just yeah, tickled it's not, me. It's not what yeah. Dracula does again. Yeah. You know. Hmm. Also, especially because Van Helsing said, because uh, Arthur says, um, "What you know? What's the hurry? We know where he's going." And uh, uh, Van Helsing says, uh, "Oh, they, he could hide in the cellars of Castle Dracula for decades." Is that why isn't he doing that? Why yeah. is he digging a hole? <laughs> I mean, is he expecting that they, when they turn up, they won't notice the freshly dug grave? Is he thinking that they all think he's the gardener doing a bit of gardening? Yeah. Gardening and go straight past him. Dracula, that man's planting roses. He's gardening. Dracula doesn't garden. <laughs> but oh dear, I, may, maybe Mina is part vampire and therefore being buried alive won't kill her. I don't know. I don't know what the idea is here. Um, but anyway, yeah, they, they they get there and he puts his spade down and he legs it into the castle. He throws and, Mina into that grave with. I don't know whether that was the actress or a stunt woman, but he didn't have to throw that woman in. He does, it. he does, yeah. And he legs it, and, you know, yeah. Van Helsing's in hop suit. You've got this, as I say, the brilliant, frantic uh, James Bernard yeah. music. I mean, 
It's it's fantastic. I I I don't own this uh, score, but you know, God, that that that's a noisy score. When when would you put this track on to listen to? What would you be doing? Um, Jogging. Jogging, oh, chasing the vampire, um, digging. Yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be like. You wouldn't put it on while you're making a meal, would you, or anything? No, no. You wouldn't have it in the background of a dinner party. No, no, no. You, you don't have a romantic meal uh, yeah. with this going on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, onto the set that's at Bray Studios, up those stairs um, and across a hall where he's going to lift the like flagstone to yeah. go down somewhere. But he's just gone upstairs. So yeah. that trap door just goes down into the room underneath, doesn't it? That's not down into the cellars. No, that, yeah. He's gone up a flight of stairs and then he's going down. So yeah. is there no is there no other access way that he could have gone? I mean, there's, <laughs> there's when you're on the outside of the castle, which doesn't match inside at all, um, you can see doorways below the, the sort of the portcullisy bit. Yeah. Um, so presumably they, they would lead into the same room. <laughs> Do you think he's yep. panicking? He might be. Yeah. He might be. Because that's when Van Helsing comes in. You know, he, yeah. he, 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 he manages to work out where Dracula is. And, uh, and they, they have their first fight, which is really aggressive. Oh, this is, this is a, like, I mean, now, you know, when you, you know, you watch modern films and action films, it's almost ballet, isn't it? It's all yeah. staged and it's all, you know, choreographed and this. But this isn't. They just go, <laughs> back yeah. into each other and it I mean, is it, quick and it's aggressive and it's fast it's it's dracula street fighting isn't it it's um i wonder if it was a case of had they had more money they would have this would have been worse because it would have been like say choreographed within an inch of its life this feels like two stuntmen and they said have have it lads gone and yeah. they've just gone for each other yeah and, and it's what in, you said in, yeah I was, I was going to say, say why you said, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> you, you I was just going to say, it's in, interesting that Dracula's first thought is to throw a candlestick at him now. Yes. <laughs> it's quite funny. Again, he's not a Dracula thing. No, no, I was going to say, I mean, you know, what you said earlier, these two guys, they're not superstars yet, you know, no. and uh, you, they've got everything to prove, and that, boy, they're going for it. it, it oh, it's terrific yeah. stuff. And Dracula's got the upper hand, of course, because he's a vampire and he's stronger, and he, he, he grabs... Van Helsing by the neck and uh, goes to bite him, and Van Helsing like feigns uh, weakness, doesn't he? Um, yeah, but he manages to throw him off. Thing. Yeah, and and they start facing off against each other again, and Van Helsing backs into that table and notices light coming in through a gap in those massive curtains that must yeah. be like twenty foot tall or something, and that's when he gets up on the table. And again, I'm just astonished. Every time I watch this, Peter Cushing, oh, he, yeah. he climbs up, he runs full pelt and leaps off the end of the table onto those curtains and down they come. And as he does that, if you look to the right, old Christopher Lee, it's choreographed brilliantly because as he does that, Christopher Lee stumbles and falls and manages to put his leg in exactly the same place, yeah. the right place for the sunlight coming down. I don't know how many takes this took. But um, it's brilliantly done. Yeah, it's it's a it's a stunning sequence. Yeah, it's really it's just physical and and I know um, in interviews um, Peter Cushion was sort of said that the original script he just pulled out a cru another crucifix from his thing and and they wanted to do it. So I think a lot of this was probably made up on day or while mm. they were filming it. Um, but it's it it is the although it doesn't follow the. <laughs> the book at all and no yeah. film says i think this is the best demise of dracula on film oh definitely yeah definitely definitely 
Um, what I'd like to see, like you say on the Blu-ray, um, you know, there's lots of behind-the-scenes things. You're right. Yes, this this was improvised. This ending, yep. and, and when they come up with the idea of pulling the curtains, that meant somebody had to work out that the curtains had to be attached strong enough to hold them onto the railing yeah. that's at the top, but would give way if a grown man pulled on them. And I'm just wondering, is there footage somewhere where you've got some sort of, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you know, lackey running and pulling on the curtains to see if they'll detach? Because the worst yeah. thing would be Peter Cushing run, jump on the curtains, yeah. and then just, just be like, like a cat, cat. halfway yeah. up. <laughs> uh, that would be amazing. I'd, I'd like Get to a ladder. Also, as well, you, you said about that um, Christopher Lee gets his, uh, his leg in the right position. It's also that I know that there is no sunlight. You can see, especially on Blu-ray, you can see that it's uh, an after effect. But it all matches up. He's on the the, the capitalistic symbols as well. Yeah. So it's all it's really well thought out. And it, 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 you know, hat, hats off to him. Mm. You know, this it, it's a, it's a stunning sequence, and it all works. And at no point do you go. Oh, that, that wouldn't work, or that's silly. It's you're so swept up into it, and it is the speed of it, and it is yeah. the music and everything, and uh, yeah, and the acting yeah. as well. This is, and you know, I've I've maligned Mr. Lee, but I'll give him his due. In his death scene, mm. he and in this whole fight, I mean, the bit where you said about he goes to bite Van Helsing, and then Van Helsing plays dead, and it, and there's so much uh, thought process crosses Christopher Lee's sort of face on that yeah and it's like yeah, yeah he's really good it's just yeah I'm glad and he looks like a demon saying, when he yeah. goes in to bite him he looks like a demon he's got a mouth full of teeth hasn't he, he has <laughs> yeah. Yeah. blimey that gnashes yeah but his leg it starts to dissolve um yeah. we get a I, and i like that he's wearing socks i like my vampires yeah. to wear socks <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that, yeah. And what we've got now is a series of very simple cuts between, you know, the special effects yeah. of his disintegration and a reaction from Van Helsing. It makes it a lot easier that you can then substitute and you go to the next stage. On the Blu-ray as well, this is the first time I realised, and I don't know whether it's just because you're so swept up in it, but looking at it, um, when when it... So he, the, the sunlight melts uh, Dracula's leg, and then they go. They so he crawls across to the table, and then in the background you can see the remains of his leg, and it's it's quite mm. quite. I mean, there's no blood or anything, but it's quite uh, uh, sort of makes you think. Oh, that's Dracula's leg. I think this is uh, this is to get round the sensor because, of course, yeah. when this came out, it was an X. I mean, now it's a twelve, yeah. um, um, but it was an X. And by having him turn to dust and crumble rather than it be a blood fest, I think yeah. that was a conscious decision. But we'll talk about that in a minute, okay? So what you've got is a series of cuts of his slow uh, disintegration. You've got his leg starts to dissolve yeah. and crumble away, and we cut to Van Helsing, and that's when he gets the two candelabras. Yeah. Um, and he holds them in the form of a cross and Dracula reacts. His hand goes into the sunlight and that starts crumbling, too. Um, his face falls into the light and his face crumbles, too. In a minute, we'll talk more about just just what we're seeing there, because there is a, a clear uh, case of editing, which yes. then surfaced in the uh, the Japanese edition. So we'll talk about that in a second. Um but, yeah, you've got all these disintegration effects, which are, you know, cut up by reaction shots of Peter Cushing, which um, really helps, doesn't it? If it had been like some sort of dissolve effect, which you got in later Dracula films. Yes. Where yeah. they lap lap dissolves white. never work, do they? No, I mean, no. They, they, they almost perfected it in the old Universal 
werewolf ones, but mm. yeah, this I think cut in a way is much better, although it's fairly obvious. Um, the question I have though is that, and it's it's more to do with vampiric lore, is that so Peter uh, Van Helsing, as as we said, he was meant to pull out a crucifix, but they said that was boring, so he grabs two. Uh, two candlesticks and makes the sign of the cross and that pushes Dracula's like, ah, so he pushes back and puts his hand in the sunlight. But what's actually driving him back? So in, in, in the original, uh, Dracula novel, the, the vampire, uh, Dracula is frightened of the, the cross because the cross shows the, the one true resurrection and it shows that his resurrection is river, river. But so is is in in this film is Dracula frightened of ninety degree angles, rather because because the way he holds it, it doesn't it it could be anything, couldn't it? So did was he like he had to be careful when he went into houses in case they've got no curtains and square windows, you know, because you can see the cross there. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it could be if his head's at a bit of an angle, he's actually looking at the letter X, and he yeah. might be scared of the letter X. It could be. Perhaps he, that perhaps it reminded them that they got an X certificate. Yeah, it's scaring them. Yeah, but it's well done. And and what it's you were saying about well, yeah. you know the universal werewolf, um, you know the wipes for the transformation. Yeah, that works because it's a static scene. Um, but this, yeah, this you know, the, the speed and yeah. the pace, it matches it, doesn't it? You yeah, know, you would have to lock off the shot to do it, and that would have everything killed. Everything would I mean, slow would to, a, to, to, to a stop yeah. to do that. And again, this is what happens in later ones where he's like states and that. But no, uh, no, no, it matches what we've already seen in this huge, massive build-up to this uh, yeah. to this moment, and, and it works brilliantly, I think. Yeah, it doesn't disappoint. Yeah. All right, well, that's the sequence over, because that's the film over. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We, yeah. Uh, I, did, I did like, as well, watching it on the Blu-ray, that um, once, he's, once he's gone and he's dust, you can see uh, his hair tumble away like a, a tumbleweed across the screen. That was his toupee. Yeah. Well, it must be, because why didn't his hair dissolve to dust? Perhaps, he was, perhaps it was a toupee. It looked toupee-ish. Okay, well, behind the scenes. Right, this is uh, Hammer's first Dracula. And of course, you know, don't you? You know that uh, this was made after Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people think, oh, uh, you know, they had this massive success. I mean, Curse of Frankenstein came out in May of 57. And by the summer, um, you know, everybody knew that they had a massive hit on their hands. But they were actually in production of Dracula before Frankenstein became the success that it was. They yeah, were well because... in production on that. Yeah, because this, again, as we were saying earlier, this is, there's a clear linear as to where why we got to this point and it's all to do with money um and the only reason we got dracula and frankenstein was because they had a success with uh quatermass the horror film yeah. um and quatermass was a success because they had a success with uh four-sided triangle and tv adaptation or uh, well, radio adaptation so it goes right back so the only reason we're here is because these were public domain characters uh, um, they weren't though, not well, at this stage. Yeah, not at well, this stage. Universal basically said that they owned the rights to the Dracula character, but yeah. there there was a there was a uh, uh, with the estate of Bram Stoker, there was a a, a dispute with Universal that yeah they well, owned the likeness of their own characters, yes, but yeah. not the names. The 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 rights that Universal had. Okay, um, meant that Hammer went to them and Universal said, all right, we won't interfere, but we want distribution rights. Yeah. 
you make the film, we distribute it, which is what they did. It's but a good deal, to be fair. It is a good deal, but this is 57, but Dracula went properly 100% into the public domain in 62. So if they had waited just five more years, they could have done it without having to, you know, share the, the, the money with, um, but would with they Universal. Have, yeah, but would they have got the massive American distribution that Universal brought? Well, there is that, been, yeah. Would it have been bunked out as an American international? This is true, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, from the get-go, Hammer films were big in America as well yeah. as England, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's again that, that it's that view, although they, like you say, they take place in this weird Eastern European, it has the Victorian vibe mm. that, that America loves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can see why they were very successful in America. Yeah. Now, the film for you know the big film that it became it had quite a modest budget okay and um it was down to jimmy sangster to come up with a script to uh to write it in such a way that they keep, could keep the costs down that's why there's that's why it's entirely set in this fictitious european place yeah that's why there's no traveling to england you know there's no dracula changing into a bat or a wolf in this one no wolves um there's no Renfield in this one, and but that's not okay. a budget thing. Uh, Jimmy Sangster said he, he felt the character was not really necessary, you know. Yeah, and I I agree. I mean, the the Renfield character ends up in uh, Prince of Darkness, uh, and they use that sequence in there. But yeah, I I don't think it needs the Renfield character in this. No. I mean, it, I love I love Bram Stoker's Dracula. I mean, it's probably my most read and most listened to audio book, most read book. I used to read it every year on holiday with June. Um, I love it, but it's so overpacked. Mm. It's a good read because you can read it in bits and that, and it keeps going. But yeah, there's there's so many characters that are not needed, like Quincy and um, yeah. People like t- t- tend to forget there's a cowboy in yeah. the original Dracula. <laughs> yeah, he. I wonder if he was very much a throw it against the wall and see Could what be. sticks type of guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what's next? Yeah, Christopher Lee um, as Dracula. No one else was considered after his performance in Curse of Frankenstein. They didn't screen test anybody else. It was, you know, he, he yeah. had a, a film deal with Hammer. Uh, you are going to be Dracula. Um, yeah. Well, they, they had this, uh, they sort of tried to ape Universal again because Universal had where they would say this is this person is a horror actor and they will do all the horror roles and yeah this they person, did it with Karloff didn't they yeah Karloff uh, Lon Chaney Jr. Lugosi um, yep. to a certain extent but they treated him abysmally mm. um, but yeah so I think this was definitely the plan from the beginning that as soon as when they were doing Frankenstein they 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 would have used the same cast anyway because you know it's throughout Hammer's Think they they'll they'll do back to back filming and they'll use the same cast in one as another. So I think this there's possibly a budget implication, but there was definitely a a thought that these are our new horror stars. It would have been interesting had Frankenstein flopped abysmally. Mm. Yeah, mate. Yeah, they would have gone off yep. on a different course, maybe. Yep. Yeah. We were talking earlier. Yes, this uh, it's it's pretty well known that this this sequence we've been talking about. Um, was devised by Peter Cushing and the director, Terence Fisher, um, pretty much on the spot. I, I, it wouldn't have been on the day. You know, there would have been uh, a oh, time yeah, to prepare. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah we say, um, say when they were there filming it. But, yeah, they would have 
it's not like they turned up and yeah. sort of trusted and, to luck. Yeah, the, the reason they did is uh, they felt it was um, they had to come up with something a bit more exciting than what was was in Jimmy Sankster's yeah. script. And uh, I've got it here. This is this is the script, the original script mm-hmm. for this sequence. This is what was supposed to happen. It says. Dracula is looking at Van Helsing, his blood-red eyes flooded with anger, unable to to do anything for a moment. Then, even while he is standing there, a ray of sunlight creeps across his face. He clasps his hand to his face and screams. Then he turns. Van Van Helsing uses the crucifix to force Dracula back into the pool of light. He looks upwards upwards towards the stained glass window. So it's just... Happens, star stand, yeah. uh, a bit of sunlight falls across his face, and yeah, Peter Cushing said, you know, it's like an advert for a, a crucifix yeah. uh, factory. Him keep getting this crucifix out. Can't, can't we do something else? And that's when they devise this ending. Yeah, it's almost like in that version, Dracula dies through clumsiness, mm. which yeah. he does later on in some of the other ones, like where yes. he walks into the Hawthorne pit and that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they didn't go with that, to be honest. <laughs> this is much better. Yeah. Um, now, for this sequence, um, Dracula's death, it was down to makeup designer Phil Leakey oh. and special... You know that name, don't you? Yeah. And special effects supervisor Sid Pearson, who worked together. And, uh, yeah, Phil Leakey, um, we've just been talking about it. He, he worked on the Quatermass experiment. He did, yeah. He, 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 he did that he was terrific there, but... alien transformation. Yeah, he was Hammer's version of Jack P. Pierce, wasn't he? He was yeah. a, uh, a he could do miracles on a low budget. Yeah, a lot of people talk about uh, uh, is it Jack Ashton? Jack Ashton, maybe I can't remember I, 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 as being the Hammer makeup person. But Phil yeah. Leakey was there first. I mean, Phil yeah. Leakey was responsible for the Curse of Frankenstein makeup as well. Yes, which is and, a good. I like I like the um, Christopher Lee. Uh, Frankenstein makeup, I think it's... Except in close-up. that It's it's his left cheek, just below yeah. his eye, where it, it looks like a lump of plasticine stuck it Probably on. was. Yeah, more than likely, yeah. Now, according to Phil, um, re- read this bit, he says, and this is a quote from him, they never really knew what they wanted. Tony Hines said, we want a shot, something really horrible to end the picture on. How can we make Dracula disappear in one shot? Hammer hadn't thought much in the way of special effects at this time, and I said I had no idea what to do, and you couldn't do it without special effects. That's when they got Sid Pearson in to supervise it. His idea was along similar lines to how I'd melted the face in X the Unknown, using heating elements hidden in a skull with a wax face on top. Okay? So that was the first idea of what they were going to do, okay? And Sid also said that he had decided the best way to go was to do it in a series of cuts, these cuts we've been talking about between Dracula and Van Helsing, okay? Now, when the light first hits Dracula's leg, they had taken photos of where Lee's exact position on the floor was, and they exactly reproduced the position of the shoe and the leg inside a dummy trouser leg, and as you say, sock and shoe. Uh, They put a skeleton's leg and foot in there and an awful lot of fuller's earth, which they also filled the shoe up with, okay? Yeah. And Sid was just out of shot with his hands in the trouser leg. I'd love to see photos of this. Yeah. Uh, with his hands in the trouser leg and did the death throes and then pulled the uh, skeleton leg away from the skeleton ankle. All right? Yeah, it's, I, I, I love that shot. I think that's really... It, it's icky and it may, it's, it's, 
it's not gory in as such like I said, but it it really works and it does it's quite unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Um for the disintegration of his face, okay. Now a lot of this we didn't see and America didn't see, but Japan yeah. did see. Um they had um Lee put on a latex mask, okay, and um so he could pull chunks of the latex off, okay, and drip full as earth to the floor. Now, in the Japanese cut, you, you see that. You yeah. see him pulling at, at, at his skin, and he's pulling off chunks of skin, and there's a bit of redness underneath. But all we saw was the head prone on the floor, very dusty and moving, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the disintegration of the hands, though. We got this the wrong way around, but hands. Uh, what Sid did, he coated his own hands with a paste that he had made from Fuller's Earth, uh, a lady's mud pack, and warm paraffin wax. Okay, And as the paste was acetone-based, it evaporated quickly and would soon drop away from his hands. And before that happened, he quickly dipped his hands into flesh-coloured melted paraffin wax. <laughs> and, and before that set, uh, a makeup man who was standing by quickly put false fingernails on as the wax was solidifying, okay? Right. And so when that was set, all Sid had to do was move his hands, and as he did so, the wax would crack and fall away, releasing all that full as earth that was inside. Brilliant so idea. So clever. So yeah. clever. Yeah. And after a cutaway to Van Helsing, when you come back, you've got the skeleton hands there with all the powder on, and they were being moved by levers just off screen. Okay? Yeah. Um, now... As I say, we didn't see Dracula pulling the latex off his face. We saw the decomposed, dusty skull that was on the floor. Okay, and um, yeah, they had got a, like a plastic medical skull, um, and they just covered it with um, bits of latex, skin paste. The jaw was articulated. I didn't realise, but the jaw was actually properly articulated, and there were springs in it, so you could operate it off to, off to one side, and there were. I can't see it. I've got it on Blu-ray as well. But ac according to uh, Phil Leakey, um, in his eyes, there are two tiny uh, light bulbs. Yeah, well, you can see it. There's one shot, and I was going to mention it, because because they've given him red eyes, and this uh, they're, not, they're not bright shining, but they make the eyes twinkle. And the trouble is, it looks like teddy bear eyes, ah. because they're red. So I noticed that yesterday and I actually wrote on my note, Teddy Bear Eyes. And it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's only in one very brief shot, um, because the shot before and the shot after, you can't see the eyes, but they, they've got these little twinkly red eyes. But it looks like two little Teddy Bear Eyes in the face, and it was like, oh. <laughs> not, not the reaction you want, is it, really? No, but... no, no. Um, and you don't get that reaction when you find out those lamps were actually the the teeny tiny little lamps that you use for internal inspections. That's what oh, you really? would shove down someone's throat or somewhere else. Uh -huh. you know? Yeah, that's what they were. And they were on a dimmer so that they could fade the light out as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, the chest collapse. That was, um, that, that was as simple as somebody um, filled the chest up with balloons and <laughs> slowly, slowly let the air out. So, I, so I, to, yeah, I want to see that footage with the soundtrack with on. With the original there, sound. Dying, going, <laughs> <laughs> Again, oh, I've, I've just put spray all over my monitor screen. <laughs> There's a... There is, there is. A comedy, comedy Dracula. Yeah, um, yeah you said about the, um, the, the, that we didn't see, the Japanese things. I, I, as something else as a kid, and reading all the magazines and Dennis Gifford books and things like that, there was always this, 
this uh, well-known truth that fans and everyone had and the, the elder statesman trotted out that there was always three versions of a Hammer film made, wasn't there? There was the uh, the stayed version for the UK censor, there was the slightly uh, riskier version for the American, and then there was the all-out gore fest for yeah. the Japanese. And of course, it's such a it's such a uh, crap. It's twaddle, isn't but, it? Yeah, twaddle. But then this this is sort of almost. Do you think this is where it started? Well, yeah, idea? I I think it must be because I I reckon. I mean, they do in on the Blu-ray. They do sort of mention that you know someone went to a Japanese screen and then said about the amazing you know gore effects and that, and it was like oh oh yeah. But yeah, I reckon this is a start. I mean, it's never if it if it had been true. It would. They would have released it as as the censor, you know, became more lax. They would have released these versions, um, and no one no one remembers this. And looking at the other the other films now, now I I think yeah, this is this is probably what started that entire rumor. I think it is, and then it becomes Chinese whispers, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, it, 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 it becomes written law. Yeah, yeah, because all we've got, I mean, on the Blu-ray, yeah, you can see the 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 Japanese bits. As I say, in the Japanese version, before you get to the dusty face with the teddy bear eyes, you've got Christopher Lee pulling at his face and pulling bits of latex off. But also, when his leg dissolves, for some reason, the uh, the trouser leg pulls back, or I guess that's meant to be Christopher Lee pulling himself away, and you see not just the, the dusty foot and the ankle and the sock, you see far more of the skeleton leg. Yes. And it's the same with the arm. It's not just the hand. You see the skeleton arm. You see uh, his, as his sleeve pulls back, you see more of the forearm as well, don't you? Yeah. It's, we're, not, we're not talking very many seconds of extra footage, but it enough add to the feeling that this is much gorier. So I can see yeah. why people, if they saw one version, then perhaps came back to the UK and thought, I'll go and watch that film, and then go, ooh, mm. this is missing a hell of a load of amount of gore at the end. Yeah. I could see how that could that could happen. Um, I'm glad they found it. It's nice to see. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it... The, the, the Blu-ray touts <laughs> a lot more with hyperbole than the it actually puts back in i think but um it's worth it is yeah, good to worth see seeing. yeah yeah um all right well that's it that's all my behind the scenes have you got anything um no i think you've pretty much covered it to be honest all right well you know what happens then um yeah. we've got to rate this yeah it's um it's a difficult one this because again you know i'm trying to separate you know, I don't want to do another Mad Max and just give everything ten because I love it. <laughs> um, I, I, I think this is the best. The overall sequence is the best demise of Dracula that we've seen so far in cinema. I'd much rather have this over any CGI dissolving. Um, but there's not much special effects work in there other than when he disintegrates. But I, I'm going to go with a, a solid seven and a half. Okay. Seven and a half. All right. Hang on. I'm just doing my maths. All right. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. And uh, I, yeah, there's not much in the way of special effects, but everything leading up to this, you yeah. know, the way it looks, it's the way it's perfect. lit, the music, the editing in this, you know, uh -huh. it, it is just a quick cuts, cut. But, but especially if, for the time, isn't it? If you can, if you watch other films from like 1957, 58, mm. it's much more staid editing. I mean, yeah. everyone always sort of says about. Um, 
you know, uh, that Fisher was a, a journeyman direct, director who just pointed. Again. I know. I think he was he was pretty inspired. Yeah. 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 No. So yeah, um, I'm going to be more generous than you. I'm uh-huh. giving it an eight. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. So that gives it an uh, average of seven point seven five. Yeah. One one question though: Who is your out of all the Draculas? Who is your favourite, and who is your worst? Well, I'll I'll, I'll cheat, okay, on on, uh, on on best, and I'll say uh, Max Schreck as Nosferatu. Okay, yeah, we well, yeah, it was filmed as Dracula. I'll give it you was that filmed one. as Dracula. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's my favourite, and my worst is God. That's aw- that awful, 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 awful. I can't say awful enough, but he, <laughs> he was dreadful. Um, I know Kelly's a fan. Kelly, if you're listening to this, sorry about that. Can I, can I guess? Is it not Louis Jordan, is it? No, no, oh, worse no, no. than Louis Jordan. Worse than old, um, um, old pretty boy, old, uh, uh, Hamilton guy. Um, oh, it can't be, it can't be worse than Jack Palance, surely. I like the Jack Palance yeah, version. Yeah. I do, I do. Um, no, that awful one with the awful haircut in, um, Van Helsing. That Dracula in Van Helsing. Oh, Richard Roxburgh. Yeah. I don't like him. Oh, I think no. he's all right. No, awful. Oh, I can't stand him. Can't oh, stand I think him. he's funny. Yeah. That's I like the Yeah. Oh, I no. I'll, but then it's not Van Helsing either. This so. is true. I'll give you that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not Peter Cushman. I think, yeah, I think he's campy enough that, that he's not. Um, Go on, then. What's your best and worst? My, my favourite Dracula uh, is uh, Baylor. I love him. Even though the film, not so great, but... I, uh, I I more love him from um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Okay. I think I love Baylor. Um, and my worst is uh, Louis Jordan. I think oh, really? he's so miscast; it's unreal. Uh, you've seen the BBC. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't I, mind it. I don't mind it. I don't mind him. I like um, I like everyone else in the cast. I think it's a good, good, solid British TV cast of that era. But I just I he's I think he's so wrong. Um, but but then I thought um, Gary Oldman was wrong for. Mm. Uh, we'll have to we'll uh, have to do an episode on that yeah. that one sometime. Perhaps we should do one just on Draculas in general. Just take another Dracula out and put it in and see if it yeah. improves it or something like that. I've just had a, a a thought. I wonder what this film would have been like if the roles were reversed and Peter Cushing was Dracula and Christopher Lee was Van Helsing. Uh, I don't think it would have worked. You would have I liked mean, it because Christopher Lee yeah. would have had an awful lot of lines. Yeah, I think I think Dracula is is he's never the main character in a Dracula film or shouldn't be. Um, he, he's certainly not in the novel. And I think yeah, I I would rather watch ninety minutes of Peter Cushion doing anything than ninety minutes of Christopher Lee being a very staid and uptight <laughs> Van Helsing. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, thanks for today, then, Ian. No, I've enjoyed we, it. We, it's we've it's an unusual subject. Yeah. It is an unusual subject. Yeah. Stay tuned, everybody. I mean, this is the first of our, um, as I said at the top of the show, this is the first of our horror um, uh, episodes for October. A film Ian mentioned earlier in this episode is actually going to be the one released on Halloween. So stay tuned, everybody, is and find out what that's going to be. How did you know? Oh, sorry, I spoiled it for you. <laughs> Get that bus out. All right. Cheers, then, Ian. And speak to you soon. Right. Thanks, Cheers, then. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.